pregame show. We are a pregame show. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Good morning, everybody. Lou, how's it going? It's going good. I mean, back-to-back days here early in the morning. I mean, what could be better? Well, we just stayed on the phone all night, so we're... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's still the middle of the night where you are. Um, I mean, I guess you could say middle of the night, maybe uh, maybe incredibly early morning. Okay, I wanted to start off talking a little bit. I, oh, wait, weren't we supposed to have an advertisement today? Weren't we brought to you by something? We are, but I didn't know if we were actually ready yet or if we're still doing the pregame, though. Well, it's 9 a.m., so get on it. All right. Well, today's morning show is brought to you by Super Totally Awesome Sticker Book, presented by Yubi. One for you, one for me. And uh, there's some beautiful stickers in here. You can look for some. You can see some unicorns. You can see some ice cream cones. Um there's some cool emojis. I mean, if you're a sticker person, you need to buy the super totally awesome sticker book. What about minions? Is there any minions in there? You know what, Andy? I don't have any minions in here, so maybe this sticker book's not for you. It's not super totally awesome to me. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm trying to find these notes that I had yesterday on Vincent Velasquez. I'm a big fan of this guy. I don't, I mean, I really believe that this is one person that if you just sat in your chair and watched him pitch or just watched the highlights of him pitching, he's so super easy to watch and to like because he just, he's, he's a good example of, of mound presence, even though he doesn't have like the command that you would usually think of when you, when I, I don't know. I know that mound present, it's not really an easy thing to describe, but it's very important. In my world, it's important. And part of the reason why my world is, um, it's just different because it's a, you, I see things through a woman's eyes. So no matter, even if I wanted to watch the games exactly like guys or I wanted to see players exactly like dudes, you just, there are different nuances in the way that we see things. And I really, I've always been um, a big fan of, like, mound presence. And I, I've always, every time I go and watch players, it's what I look at. It's, it's just what I see first. So um, I definitely think that Vincent Velasquez, I mean, he's got, a, he's got like, the raw talent, right? So he's had, he, he has... A fastball, he goes from 93 to 97. Um, he's got a, a changeup and a slider that he uses. But he's just starting to really, really use them. When a pitcher can, like, figure out, you know, utilizing pitches at, at the right time is, uh, there's something to be said about that. So, with him, I mean, he likes, he... He's only using one of his pitch. I wish I could find my notes, but of course, you know, I can't. I just wanted to um, bring him up. Andy, you were bragging about these notes like 10 minutes ago. What happened to them? No, those are my notes from today. When when I was just reading over my notes from today, I thought I should talk about Vincent Velasquez because I talked about him yesterday uh, a little bit on our show, I think. But I definitely talked about him on Sirius, and I had a great... um, set of notes that I picked up from reading different things around the web. Um, we had uh, the Phillies writer for The Athletic. She was on. She does a great she does great work over there. She did a great article on Vincent Velasquez. Maybe I'll just pull that up. But what she did was she basically broke down one full at bat for, between him and Brandon Crawford last week when it took Vincent Velasquez 35 pitches just to get out of the first two innings and after those two innings and he gave up like two home runs in those two innings and then after that he went four scoreless he struck out 12 uh, and it was just like almost a different it was like a different pitcher after those first two innings but when Brandon Crawford came up to the plate he threw three different fastballs uh, you know, a couple sliders. It was six total pitches ranging from 82 miles an hour to 97 miles an hour. And if you have a subscription to The Athletic, you should definitely check it out. Vincent Velasquez is an exciting player to watch. I'm not going to sit here and act like he is not risky because he is definitely capable of blowing up. He's got five quality starts so far this season, and one of them he was one inning shy of, of a quality start. And then he's got three that were just hideous. You know, when you're talking about... um Pure quality starts, which is a Ron Chandler statistic. It breaks down pitchers based on 
their last like five outings or something and it basically talks about how yeah you could get a mediocre pitcher that is never ever going to have a blow up right but his that guy's ceiling is not going to be quite as high as the dude that could possibly have a blow up right so he in that when we're talking about pure quality starts he says it's better to get a guy that has a higher ceiling because um, the mediocre guy just you already know what he's going to give you and it's mediocrity you know yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. And remember that Velasquez was actually a pretty solid pitcher. I mean, the ERA wasn't great in 2016 when he became a Philly, but um, he still, you know, he was 8-6, and six, more than a strikeout per inning. And when it first happened, that trade, and he was pitching well at the beginning of the year, everyone thought that Phillies robbed the Astros in that trade where uh, Giles was involved. Last year, he was terrible. This year, the numbers might not look great in front of you, but if you look month to month, uh, the one start in March was dreadful, but in April, almost a five ERA. But this month, he's really turned it on. He's won all three of his starts, 2.08 ERA in 17 innings pitch. So, I mean, he's, he's getting better month to month. The one thing that would concern me, Andy, is huge splits, righty versus lefty um, versus righties opponents hitting just 181 against him but versus lefties they're hitting 310 and all his home runs he's allowed this year which is eight are uh-huh. all against left-handed hitters he look this guy has never pitched more than uh he i mean really he never made more than like 25 start 20 starts he only pitched 80 innings or something last year he had he's never hit 200 innings so he's already at 40 innings i don't want anybody to think that i'm like acting like this is going to be um you know lightning in a bottle here but i really think that this is going to be an exciting pitcher to watch throughout this year this season i love the phillies anyways i mean if anybody could love the Phillies more than me this year. I don't know if it's even possible. I'm like, I was telling Lenny, I'm going to go watch my boyfriends, and that means I'm going to go watch the Phillies. Odebel Herrera is freaking hilarious. Yesterday, he di- he decided he was going to dive into first base, and he made it, right? He made it. He was safe, but by, you know, people shouldn't be diving in head first in first base. You should never dive head first. Right? No, I mean, you never, really, you shouldn't ever slide into first base unless there's a wild throw and you're trying to avoid a tag. But the best part about that play is that it always looks good when you're safe and it always looks so stupid when you're out. I'm serious. It just looked like a, just an oof. Like, just, he basically looked like he just fell down and, like, tripped over himself. And then, I mean, but he, he does, he, uh, Odebel Herrera is fun to watch. And Mikel Franco is, is, looking good too so i think that the phillies are just exciting in general back to vincent velasquez he's got a ceiling i mean his ceiling we don't even know his ceiling yet he he's had injury problems he's had command problems he's given up a bunch of home runs like you said he's got issues with um with um splits right now i don't believe those splits are real though i think that he can pitch to lefties i think that Maybe it's just the sample size that we've seen. I don't know what he's done in his career against lefties. He had one. Oh, that's possible, Andy. But I mean, versus righties, he's utterly dominant. Uh, and you know that the Phillies have zero left-handed pitchers. Like they don't have. They just sent their only left-handed pitcher down to the minors. They got thirteen right-handed pitchers on their roster. I asked uh, Megan about that, and she said basically that they just haven't been able to like bring up the lefties because i don't think that anybody has any kind of uh we mean you've talked about this actually i don't understand how you can actually feel like you have an edge on anybody when you just don't have that lefty that can come in in certain situations their pitching rotation is unbelievably good this year so it is good but i mean if you're if you know you're facing vince velasquez whether it be in the big leagues or um if you see velasquez starting let's say in dfs Clearly, you want to stack left-handed hitters against Velasquez. If he's going up against a team, pick all their lefties. I mean, they're hitting over 300 again. All their all the home runs he's allowed this year, eight. All to I don't that know. left-hand side. Okay, but I don't know. I mean, and that's that's definitely an interesting split. But I don't know if that's really real. I don't know if that's a real split. Let me look at his career. Because I don't think that I don't recall seeing anything or reading anything about him having serious splits in his career. Let me look. Over his career, he's pitched 153 innings to lefties and 152 innings to righties, and it's about even. 
it's really about even. He's got batting average is 266 to 242. I don't know if this year is just... I mean, who knows? The guy is so... He, he changes so much, but what I do see is something exciting. I do want to own him on all my teams. I definitely don't want to rely on him. I, I, I certainly don't want him as, like, my number two or my number three, but it's fun when he pitches, and he is, he's got that stuff. He's willing to learn. He likes learning, and his pitching coaches are working with him and their new catcher to uh, frame pitches, which they even said the other day that, you know, some of these... Some of the reason that the... Phillies are pitching as well as they are is the pitch framing and it makes sense I mean we all know that's real oh that's totally real I mean if they have a stat for it then it's real at this point so definitely it's fun he's fun Phillies are fun so fun okay and Jared Eikhoff I like too he's coming back oh, and we know you how much you love your boy Aaron Nola so that's a given yeah and, we don't even uh, have to talk about it outside of maybe one pretty terrible start has been really exactly what they wanted to get out of him not just on the field, but obviously, you know, in the dugout, in the clubhouse, I think he's going to be a big help to the younger pitchers and kind of that one guy you know you can rely on outside of NOLA. And pretty much any team, if you want to compete in the big leagues, you're going to need to have a solid one-two punch and then be able to have at least one more reliable starter. And that's what they have right now. The Red Sox beat the Orioles yesterday. Did the Yankees win yesterday? You know, the Yankees haven't played a registered game since Sunday. Oh, they got rained out, right? Yeah. They got rained out Wednesday. and Sorry, Tuesday, then Wednesday. But the Red Sox did win yesterday. Are and you kidding me, David Price? Most of it. What am I talking about? Most of it. Can, yeah, it can be attributed to your boy, David Price, just as everyone was starting to give up on him, including you and how oh, much you hate the guy. I um, don't like him that much, dude. I really, it's a personal thing, too. I just don't really like him that much. I, I don't know why. He's just got an attitude problem. He's so hard to, he's got this shell around him. He's, you know, he should live in New York here. He'd be perfect, fit in. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> The start would have been even better if not for the Manny Machado ninth inning two-run homer. He would have had the uh, complete game shutout. But, I mean, giving length like that, eight strikeouts, no walks in the nine innings, yeah. that was very impressive. And it he could be it. the type of start that gets him back on the uh, on the good graces of the Red Sox fans and so, the media. Yeah, and, and it's not that hard, really. All you got to do is have a couple good games. If I was a price owner, though, and he had a couple good games, if he has this like and follows it up with something good, I'm getting rid of his ass. Because I can't rely on him to be healthy from one start to the next. And it's very we- – I mean, we all know that David Price is can, can be tremendous. He has tremendous talent. He is getting older, so we're going to start seeing some age regression happening. But it, how can you be this good one start and then the next start you be having carpal tunnel? Like you can't even play because your, your hands are numb. It doesn't – so either he's got a medical condition or he's just – I mean, there's – your talent doesn't just appear and then go away like that, you know? It's got to be something going on. Maybe he has, like, maybe he's going through male menopause. It does when you're Matt Harvey. Well, okay. But Matt Harvey, dude, is in his own. He's in his own thing. J.D. Martinez just keeps hitting. David Price did that in 95 pitches, too. Another thing. Just very efficient with his pitch counts. Uh, J.D. Martinez, eight home runs in May. That's just, he's... He's going to be this year Stanton, probably. And Xander Bogarts. So he's got a three-run home in each of his last two games, Xander Bogarts. So that's that's pretty good. Uh, What's going on with Devers, though? He's been slumping real hard. Hanley, who started the season so well, has kind of come down a little bit. They need those guys to pick it up, too, because there's what? only so much that J.D. and Bogarts can do. Obviously, Betts is amazing. Can but- Ben Attendee please get the hell up it's time to wake up now dude well he's been hitting much better as of late okay good he's on i own the guy but i haven't really been looking at him lately because he's such a just doing nothing he's been very frustrating so far this season isn't pedroia coming back soon too i don't know i don't what what's going to happen then who's going to lose I their guess job this becomes that utility guy I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr. right now, outside of his defense, really doesn't deserve to be playing. I mean, the guy's OPS is five around 500, under 200 batting average still this late into the season. I yeah, mean, but his batting average on balls in play is 214. He's getting unlucky. He, you know, I, uh, I definitely— But don't you think their optimal lineup right now 
if JD can play in the outfield, obviously they trust him enough to play in the outfield, would be having Betts in center and being able to use Moreland and Hanley in the same lineup because their lineup's much better with Hanley and Moreland in it compared to Bradley right now. Yeah, I think it's more their defense, dude, that they, that would be really, I mean, their defense is pretty ugly. And that's the truth. I will be flat out. Their defense is ugly. About I know, a, but we're talking about, at least in Fenway Park. I mean, if Manny Ramirez could play left field, JD Martinez could play left field there. Well, JD Martinez isn't the biggest problem, I don't think. I mean, maybe he is the biggest problem, but he's, he hits so well that you can't do shit about it. So you just ignore it, you know? But wait, Devers has seven home runs. So how is he not, how is he, he has the power, but he's he's hitting two forty. He's been he had he's he struggled. Devers' problem is that he can't hit anything but the fastball. Well, he's hit seven bombs so far, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, he crushes the fastball. I mean, he he he's as good a fastball hitter as anyone. You saw it happen last year when he first came up. He turned like the hundred and two mile per hour fastball from a lefty in Chapman into a homer. So he can rip the fastball, but he can't seem to hit anything else. And if Pedroia does come back and is healthy, it's it's a little concerning if you're a Devers owner because it's quite possible he'll start to lose his bats to Eduardo Nunez if he continues to struggle and only provide the home run power because that's not what he's there for. What about the Dodgers? They won. They beat. They finally heard us talking shit about them yesterday, and they decided to get their stuff together and go out there and get it done. Yasiel Puig, dee, 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 hit a home run off of Janichi Tozawa, who I Is didn't that, even know. I think that's three homers for Puig in the last four games. Nice, Puig. Justin Turner comes back this week, and the Dodgers start to hit a little bit. Added three hits yesterday. Uh, I mean, um, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say that it was all because they didn't have uh, Justin Turner. But man, is he an important part of that lineup, especially with Seager out? Dave Roberts needs to go, dude. I, I just don't feel the love for him. I didn't even honestly. I can't stand the way he walks. I can't stand his his demeanor. He just doesn't get along with the players there, and you can really tell. And why the hell is Puig batting eight? Well, he should not be batting eight. I just don't think he should be batting eight. I do agree with the Roberts hatred a little bit. And, I mean, firstly, I don't like him for another reason, because he stole that base in 04 that led to that incredible comeback the Red Sox had against my boys. You're shitting um, me. Wait, what? Yeah, in 2004, he stole the base off Mariano Rivera, which led to the rally. They tied it in Game 4, then won 5, 6, and 7, and went to the World Series and won. But aside from that, Holy moly. Um, as a manager, as a manager, um, I think he got very lucky with a very talented Dodgers team. But now that there's issues, we're kind of seeing um, the wheels fall off a little bit there. And yeah, they were so good last year. But you look at teams like the Red Sox last year fired Farrell after getting to the postseason. Nats fired Dusty Baker after getting to the postseason. Yankees fired Girardi after getting to the postseason. So in no way is Dave Roberts' job safe if the Dodgers continue to struggle. They didn't fire Girardi. Well, they essentially did. No, they just didn't re-sign him. There's a big difference between those two. I know, but he, they, they didn't want him back. They could have re-signed him. I, okay, sorry. They didn't fire him, but they didn't bring Maybe him back. Maybe he quit. How about that? Maybe he managers, quit. Managers that make the postseason with their teams clearly don't have safe jobs, I guess is the point. So yes. no matter what, no matter what Dave Roberts is, no matter what the Dodgers do, um, his job is safe based on, I think, how they play at this point. If they find themselves still, you know, five, six games under 500 in July, I don't see how he can, um, I don't see how he can stick in, in this league as a manager. Yeah, I think his job is seriously, dude, in jeopardy at this point because it just, if you're a fan and you're seeing these ten, you're seeing these communication breakdowns in the, in the club. You're just seeing it from a fan's point of view. Then it's pretty obvious. I mean, um, I just don't think it's working out. But either way, I'm rooting for Puig every day. I have to root for Puig because my teams aren't hell, hell, hellish. And I really need him to get his stuff together. I think he will. Plus, he's fun to watch when he's doing well. And, you know, that's really the only root reason I root for the Dodgers. Um, <clears throat> let's see. What about Kenta Maeda? Eight innings. You like Kent Maeda? 
you know, I'm not a huge Maeda fan, but he certainly stepped up, and they're going to need him to step up with all the pitching injuries and stuff. I mean, I think Kershaw is on his way back, but this was a huge start. And finally, we see some length as well from a Dodgers pitcher because that's one of the other issues that uh, people have been so critical of Roberts about is pulling pitchers too early, and that dates all the way back to the World Series last year. Um and not getting length, not getting, um, not letting his starters go long enough, tiring out the bullpen. But eight innings from Maeda is, is a big, big boost to the team, to the bullpen. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe pitching can be contagious for this team and, um, the rest of the pitchers can kind of follow suit here. Maybe not give eight shutout out innings, but go six, seven innings and, um, make it a little easier on Roberts to not have to go to the bullpen every single game for 12 outs especially when they don't have anybody in the bullpen that can even go for four outs so that's pretty uh lots of lots of changing of the guard there and pitching the pirates beat the padres five to four the padres with christian villanueva who started off the season just doing great but then all of a sudden may 1st came along and he turned into a pumpkin and he just basically stopped hitting and um he entered yesterday hitting 0.091, okay, that's 091, and that was in 46 plate appearances this month, But so he wasn't in the starting lineup yesterday, but he did get a pinch hit, so he pinch hit, and then he stayed in the game. He went 0 for 2, and then he committed this error that was just, uh, honestly, they might have won the game had it not been for this fool. Yeah, it's possible. And yeah, you're, you're really onto something there. I mean, you look at the April numbers, eight homers, 19 ribbies, 338 versus the 087 right now in May. Uh, two homers, sure. But like I said with, uh, Raphael de Devers, I mean, home runs are just, you know, one part of, of the game. If he was hitting 240 or 250, I wouldn't have a problem with it, but he's much more of a detriment at this point in the lineup than he is a positive. Um, Meadows, Austin Meadows was called up. This is a uh, after. Is it who went to the DL? Marte? Did Marte go to the DL? One one dude on the Pirates went to the DL. Or Zuna? What the hell am I talking about? Whatever. Somebody went to the DL, and it's a big player too. Well, let me look at I my injuries to see what Meadows can bring to to the table. Right, but you what know, are they going to do been with them? Touted in the past. I just don't get what they're going to do with. Meadows, when um, whoever it is that I can't name right now, player to be named later on the Pirates who just hit the DL with an issue in his oblique, and I can't remember his name, but I know his freaking injury. I'm pretty sure it's Charles Marte. I'm pretty yeah, okay, sure okay, you, okay. You, you had it. Okay, good. So Marte goes to the DL with the oblique injury. They call up Austin Meadows. Um, that's great. You know, a youngster. You guys all love those, and that's fine. He, you know, whatever, but they got court they don't have a spot for him when if if this oblique thing which obliques could last a week they could last six months but from what we're hearing from what the news says the reports all say that he should be back like right it's not that bad 10 days okay when he comes back then what are they going to send meadows down to the minors again or are they going to just put him on the bench i mean you can't do that with prospects uh, it's possible they'll send him back down to the minors, but I mean, I would say anything's better than Sean Rodriguez being your starting center fielder. He he does make some good catches, so maybe they'll get rid of him. But I don't know. It's just odd. I I do like the fact that Austin Meadows he, he's okay. I don't think he's I don't think he's any. I mean, you know me. You can't even listen to a word I say about prospects because to me they all start out at a different level than they start out for everybody else you know like for everybody else they start out like with all their future bright ahead of them and for me they start out like untrustworthy (laughs) you know not dependable well honestly outside of a handful of prospects that have what you would call can't miss tools you never know what they're going to do when they get to the majors you're right and And then there's certain guys who there's certain guys who have average minor league careers come to the majors and then kind of take off so and i don't have a problem picking up these prospects and putting them on my team because i agree that you know you have any better choices to pick up you know why i like to pick them up so I can trade them if they, trade. if they start off well. Right. That's the but only I like reason get, what I do. I mean, I just am not going to get – I'm never going to get Vladdy on my team. I already accepted that. I mean, I think that you pretty much either are going to spend all your fab on him or you're not going to get him. Uh, so I've – but these lesser-known prospects, I don't have a problem. Like, I picked up Franchi Cordero even though I looked at his batting average and thought, there's no way in hell this guy is going to hit at the major league level. But he has. He did. He still – I mean, you know – 
this guy, when you don't have high expectations, then you don't get your feelings hurt too bad. And I guess well, there's that. There's also, I mean, when certain when prospects like a Franchi you brought up have that power speed combo, you pay a little more attention to them too because you know even if they struggle to maybe get on base or hit for a high average, if they're hitting homers and stealing bases, they're helping you. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. If they're putting up stats, they're good. It doesn't matter their age or what. And the uh, perfect example of what I was talking about with jumping on a prospect when they get called up, um, Mike Soroka, the guy who just hit the DL for the Braves, picked him up in three or four leagues when I could. I drafted him in my dynasty league. Either way, he started off fairly well before he hit the DL. I moved him in two leagues this week already because now's the time to trade him. If I'm trying to win now, um, now's, now's the time to do it. You, you pick up these prospects. And again, unless they're like those can't miss guys that are untradeable. And I mean, I have Vlad in the league. I'm not trading him. I have Torres in the league. I'm not trading him. There's certain, there's certain prospects. Moncada might, maybe I might not move, but, um, for the most part, I'm going to get these prospects and then sell high on them. I think that's a great idea. Moncada would be a good one probably at this point. I think he's, uh, if it's a dynasty league, I wouldn't tell you to, um, trade him probably because I think he's going to get better. That's the whole point of a dynasty league is to continue to let, you know, yet let your players grow. But, um, when I look at stats this time of season, I try to figure out, like, who should I target? Who should I maybe trade away? I like to trade players when I think that they're at their highest value. And when I look at somebody's batting average on balls and play this time of year, it's pretty telling. You know, when you see uh, guys like – like, Yoan Moncada's his batting average on balls and play right now is 406. So, to me, that says this is going to be uh, – Probably, especially when he's striking out 35% of the time. But look at his, look at his stats. If you just went to his stats and said, oh, he's doing fairly well. He's got four stolen bases, six home runs. He's batting 270. He's got a 361 on base percentage. Okay. But when you look at the fact that he is striking out 35% of the time and you see that his batting average on balls and play is 400, it, it's unsustainable no matter which way you look at it. Um, Odebel Herrera even, his batting average on balls and play is 398. He's probably not going to continue to hit 361. With the 431 on base percentage all season. That could still regress and he'd still be good, you know, but, um, some of these guys, I think, like, I was looking at John Lester. If I owned John Lester, I would trade him. Because he is not the pitcher that he used to be. But so far this season, he's been able to get, uh, he's been able to fake it pretty good. Like, he's pretty, he's pretty much just average pitcher these days, I think. Definitely not what he what he used to be, but his his FIP is like five. His ex FIP is like I feel five. Like Lester at this point is just a name, right? That's why you can now. trade him. That's why you could get rid of him. That's why I said his name. That's because people like they know him and they say, oh, you know. Anyway, moving on. The Phillies beat the Cardinals, but we already talked all about those beauties, right? I mean, they're just beauties. White Sox Rangers. The this White Sox. Four Rangers to Doug Fister. He was good last night. He had seven shutout innings. Lots of shutout innings going on these days. Six hits. He didn't walk anybody. He struck out four. Two pitchers went in this game that I literally have no faith in whatsoever in Fister and Shields, and they both pitched very well. James Shield is, yeah, he used to be good for eating innings, but we figured out in recent years that innings eaters are not very valuable. They're just not. Unless you're in a points league, apparently they are there. Carlos Rodon, what do you think of him? This guy, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't even know who he was because. I mean. Oh no! Oh, I, I'm very well aware of who he is, and I think I, it, it's. I mean, he certainly has the skill set and the upside, but the guy hasn't been able to stay healthy or pitch that much over the last year and a half. But he, yeah, um, if I'm if I'm in a if I'm in like a fancy league that's relatively deep, I have him stashed 100. percent Okay, yeah, I mean, he definitely has shown talent. He's good at striking out batters, but his injuries are too, um, they're just too questionable. Like, there was a point where they they were saying that he was healthy, but he just wasn't playing. It, I just don't get, I, I've never been able to really figure out exactly what kind of injury this guy has. I don't know if it's even real. Um, but he is going to start rehab at low A this week. 
Soon, very well, soon. Good. I Keep think an eye that, out, maybe. I think that Alex Reyes, who I'm more excited about than Rodon, for obvious reasons, is also on his way back probably in the next two weeks or so. He's also been throwing minor league rehab assignments, and he's someone who I've stashed absolutely everywhere I could. I know um, you did. You remember, I mean, he was a guy that was on, like a, one of the top pitching prospects in baseball before his, his uh, surgery. So it's very interesting there, and with Wainwright still out and now Martinez go, undergoing the MRI, there was rumors that that um, Reyes could be moved to the bullpen. Now it looks like he's going to get a chance to go right into the rotation and he could be a huge steal for people in fantasy. If he's out there on your waiver wire, grab him now, throw him on the DL and wait because uh, th- this guy's a game changer if he's healthy. If he's healthy, I, yeah, he could be. He definitely could be. I'm keeping an eye on both of those in my AL only league because I'm hurting unit in that league and you can't pick up players until they're on a major league, you know, until they're called up so um i'm definitely i mean i am like an eagle watching so beatum wants to know what you're going to give from for lesta i say lesta because i was corrected in the chat room it's not lester it's you know he's really (laughs) boston yeah i definitely think you can get a player for lester and there's no question that people think that he's better than he is and he's actually pitching better than he is and i do think that you can trade for for lester i think you can make it i feel like you have to be very strategic in a trade for lester though you have to look at your opponents in the league and look at uh their injuries if they have a number of injuries to their starting rotation they might be desperate for a starter you might be able to squeeze something decent but on the surface i kind of agree with beat on it's hard to get anything of value for lester at this point especially if you're selling him at this exact value i mean if we talk about value we can talk about value but um you could get a player that's a good a decent player you could get probably you could get Corey dickerson for him you could probably get people are dropping matt chapman right now they're dropping my point being you could definitely trade lester i think and you could get something for him you could probably get i mean michael conforto you could get uh you could get somebody for him you could definitely get somebody that's i mean help i personally team. if i own conforto would not be trading him for lester but i personally am off of lester i've been off him for the last two years um what about Matt um, Matt Carpenter? You could maybe get Matt Carpenter. He's having a horrible start to yes, the season. Yes, you could buy low on Matt Carpenter, absolutely. And he's due. He's due to uh, pull it up um, or you know pick it up a little bit. He's he's not this bad. He might not be the Matt Carpenter from maybe it was two years ago where he um, kind of was just unbelievable. But um, or when I say unbelievable, I mean for where you thought for what you thought he was going to do. But yet, yeah, I mean, if I guess the thing you could do is buy low on um on a player because lester's value is not so high you could use him to kind of do one of those buy low situations that's always doable it's always just about what you need you know that's for sure so uh back to my notes here i'm looking now at the most dropped players i like looking at this list this is the first time we've had it on the site but i look at it every day because i update it every day and some of these players getting dropped i say i wish i was in that league i would just go pick them up right now like Matt Chapman was one of them that I saw. Even Ian Desmond, I might even try to give him a shot. Michael Taylor should probably pick things up. He's not going to be this bad all season. Matt Carpenter is on that list. Well, even with Taylor, you're, you're going to get steals, too. He does steal bases, but he's being dropped because people can't deal with it. He's got such um, ups and downs that he's just not that great, you know, for a fantasy owner. He's Some of these players just... They're not that good. That's why they're being dropped. But so, Andy, still. there's a uh, there's a trade that um, Aaron wants to uh, ask about in the chat room, and of course, everyone in the chat room is having an opinion. But let me run it by you. So, he has Kluber, Cole, Severino, Corbin, Flaherty, Castillo, Reyes on the DL in for his pitching staff, looking what? for an upgraded second base. Would you trade Corbin for Jonathan Scope? Yes, I love it. I would trade Corbin for Jonathan Scope. I love Jonathan that's, Scope. That's another buy low right now. He's got off to a tough start, then hit the DL. Um, certainly not hitting to what we know he's capable of doing. Well, so he, I would certainly try and buy low or sell high on Corbin. Personally, I like Corbin a lot, though. I have him in a couple leagues. I'm holding him. Um, but if you're really desperate for that second baseman, um, it's not not a bad move at all. I mean, you're getting coming to the year was probably the second or third best second baseman in fantasy for a pitcher that was going like 200 overall at the draft. 
I'm a big fan of Scope. I actually, when he was still on the DL, I was trying to make trade offers to people to get him. I, I don't know why I was, because I think that when you're an owner of a person, you've had him on the DL for this long, and they're about ready to come back. Like, why would you trade him now? You've waited with this guy on your DL for this long. Uh, but definitely would trade him. I would trade Corbin for him, and because of his pitching staff that he that you read to me, that his pitching staff is pretty solid. Just Kluber, Cole, and Severino is going to be able to carry you, and then yes. you add in Castillo, who should turn it around. Flaherty's been pretty good. You bring Reyes off the DL. I mean, you have a pretty solid staff still. So yeah, yeah I the really, biggest thing for me in fantasy is trade from your strengths to improve your weaknesses, as I, long as you're not really hurting your strengths. I mean, if if your strengths are saves and you still need the saves, I wouldn't necessarily say trade a closer. But in this situation where you have all that pitching skill and depth, and you're lacking something offensively, that's the perfect trade to make. Don't trade from your offense to improve your offense. Trade from your strength to improve your weakness. Um, the Rays beat the Angels 7-1, to and this is kind of sad for Tyler Skaggs because he was real good. He only gave up one run in the start, and then Jim Johnson came in, and Felix Pina came in, and they gave up six runs. And that was just not good because then the Angels lost 7-1. to so the bullpen basically blew up for the Angels, which, you know, we're kind of like trying to monitor that team right now for who's going to be the closer, who's going to be, you know, now now that middle, they have Kenyon Middleton, right? Wait, is that the, yeah, yeah. now he's having Tommy John? Out. Middleton's out. Is it going to be Anderson? Is it going to be Pedrosian? Doesn't look like it's going to be Mr. Johnson because, uh, firstly, he pitched in the seventh. Secondly, he got blown up, obviously, as you mentioned. Didn't even get more than an out. Gave up four runs, three earned. So, um, Otani, though, trying to fuck, just basically trying to man take that team single handedly on, on his own, just carry it to the playoffs. I mean, he is just, he's, you know, he's doing very well. Do something about Otani because I had a very interesting discussion yesterday on uh, my pre show when I was recording for Sirius. And also, I saw on MLB Network, they're saying that he's not the best player in the, in the league. Obviously, that's still Mike Trout. But when it comes to most talented, player in the league it could be Otani I mean who who can do what he's doing from a pitching standpoint and a hitting standpoint I don't know if anyone's ever done it since maybe Babe Ruth yeah I don't I agree with you I don't think and that's why he's so exciting definitely as far as like diversity of talent you just don't see it and it's it is exciting to see I'm really happy that you know, we have that in baseball, but I do have a little bit of a concern. I, I mean, I would be concerned if I was management of the Angels because you you need him so bad right now. You need his bat and you need his pitching. We'll have to see what happens. Some, I'm sure there's some athletes out there that could do this all season and be fine with it. I don't know if he's one of them. I do know that he came over here with some injuries that weren't necessarily completely um, taken care of uh, and also that he didn't pitch very many innings last or nor did he hit very many uh, at bat. So uh, coming from a season where you had very little play time to a full season of both hitting and pitching is that's going to be that's going to be a lot. I, if I owned Otani, I mean, I would have probably already traded him. But as, if I owned in him right now. In a redraft, Andy? In a redraft, Andy? Yeah, I would sell high because I think you can almost get whatever you want for him. In some sort of keeper or dynasty league, I wouldn't be trading him. He's too valuable. He's too young. Unless you can make moves every day, he's not that valuable. He's valuable if you can make moves every day. There's a big, there's, that's a big, um, you know, that makes a big difference because if you can only use him as a pitcher or you can only use him as a hitter, it's gonna, that, that's not gonna really well, there work. There are some, there are some leagues or websites that have two versions of him. Remember that. Yes, we so do. Own, so if you own two versions of him or you own the version you have of him, it's not really a big deal if you have the weekly. It's only when you have the one version you have to make the decision if you want to use him as a pitcher or a hitter. But I also read that they're going to use him pitching more than once every six days now. Like if his rotation spot comes up, let's say on a Monday, he'll pitch later that week too. So that also makes it more interesting in the weekly format. If you know he's actually going to be a two-star pitcher, which coming into the year, they suggested there's no way that's going to happen. He's only going to pitch once every six days. But I think he's too valuable as a pitcher to only have him go once every six days. CJ Krohn, dude, hit a grand slam yesterday. Didn't he hit a home run the day before that? This guy's got 11 home runs now on the season. He stole a base, which is uncanny, but um, definitely CJ Krohn. I mean, what the hell? He's having, he's, he's, you know, quietly 
doing very well this season. Johnny Field, he's got two more runs yesterday, two RBIs. He hit his third homer. He's batting three oh two. Uh what? What up with Johnny Field? Doesn't his name just his name just sounds like a cartoon character? Johnny Field. Johnny Field. I, don't I honestly don't know much about him except that he his last name is Field and he plays in the field and um I mean, gotta like what he did yesterday, I guess, but, um, I mean, both these teams are clearly going in opposite directions, obviously. I don't expect much from the Rays this year. It was nice for any Chris Archer owner to see a good start from Chris Archer. Chris Archer, uh, though. I'm I, waiting for the Rays to trade Chris Archer. I don't know. There's something about him. If you, I watched the consolidated game, uh, this morning and I saw Chris Archer pitching and he just seems off balance. He's so off balance when he, when he releases the, like his, his whole pitching motion is once he releases the ball, he is like totally off balance. And I've never really understood, like I've seen pitchers be able to get away with that kind of movement, but I don't, it just doesn't look that good for him. He just doesn't look like he has that stuff under control. His ERA is five. This guy is not, he's just really did not turn out to be the pitcher that we thought he was going to be because he does strike out better. The thing about Archer is firstly, I do expect the ERA to come down, but he's one of those guys that if he has four ERA, you're okay with it. You'll live with it because you're not really drafting him to have that sub three ERA, even three and a half. You're drafting him for the strikeouts and the innings pitched. Well, this um, is a good example of when you would like to not have a guy because in a points league, Chris Archer is not going to do you much good. He walked four batters yesterday and struck out five. So basically you just, you know, you just evened out, basically took all the points that you would have got for strikeouts and just took them away with the walks. And I don't, even though he didn't get earned runs, a walk is just as bad as an earned run in points league. That, that's fair. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I'm not playing in, in any points league, so um, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to give anyone opinions on something that I'm not currently doing. Um, I think it would wouldn't be doing justice to the player or the league format. But uh, for me, drafting Archer when I'm playing in my roto leagues, I mean, when I'm drafting him, I'm drafting him because I know I'm getting 200 innings, 200 strikeouts. No matter what the ERA is going to be, it's going to help me. Obviously, in the fives, you don't want to see that. But no. I mean, four. A four point two zero, three point eight zero, somewhere in that range. I will certainly take Chris Archer. Still, he still he still is an elite strikeout pitcher, which you want in fa- fantasy, regardless of the other numbers. To me, Brandon Bell. Okay, so the umpires are acting weird with their strike calling too. It seems like just over the last few days, I've seen a lot of uh, pissed off players and managers about like, why in the world would you call it? The other day, one um, one team i can't remember who it was i think it was arizona but i'm not positive the guy it was basically like the umpire just wanted to go home he didn't want it to go into extra innings so he just called this one a strike it wasn't over the plate but this has happened a lot of times in the last week or so yesterday uh brandon belt and bruce bochi both got kicked out of the game for arguing um strikes strike three and um brandon belt actually is having a good season this is i think that he's quietly having a great season actually he had his 10th home run he went two for five, two RBIs, tenth homer, his fourth homer in four games. Um, he's got, <laughs> he's, yeah, so he's doing well. Everybody, I mean, he's not, he's not on the waiver wire, but I just thought I'd throw, give him some credit. And I will say that the umpires are not doing a great job at calling strikes either. I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, that that's been that's been a problem for for a long time. Um, for umpires. I mean, there's people out there that want home plate umpires to become robots. But with Brandon Bell, yeah, I know you're absolutely right. Um, He's been crushing right-handed pitching so far this year, absolutely destroying it. Um, Not And not terrible versus lefties. I mean, there's a lot of guys, left-handed hitters, that really hit righties well, but, you know, hitting the low 200s versus lefties. Belt's holding his own. Doesn't have a lot of power versus lefties, but 265 and a 383 OBP is something I'll take from a lefty hitter versus lefty pitcher any day of the week. 
So, Mike Soroka, I'm, I'm talking now Atlanta. Um, the Cubbies and Braves were postponed yesterday, so that will be happening on August 30th. But uh, Mike Soroka hit the DL yesterday. This is definitely, I think, a phantom DL issue situation. I do not think that he's really that hurt, but I do think that they're going to try to, in, you know, monitor his innings this season, and so why not? The phantom DL comes in handy, especially when it's only 10 days now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always it's always a possibility. Now, it could be something to do with uh, keeping his innings down um, earlier in the season and not wanting to use up the roster spot. There's so many different variables in that. One more thing I want to say on Belt, though, before we move on. Yeah. Career high in home runs is 18. He did it in 2015 and 2017. He's well on pace to uh, destroy that at this point. He's already more than halfway there, just a quarter into the season. So it'll be very interesting to see how he does. He's he's 30 years old, so I mean... I um, think I that he will hit 30 this... I think he's going to hit 30. I do. I think he's going to... He could, and he's always been one of those guys, Andy, that I feel if he got out of San Francisco, which is obviously not kind to hitters, that he would be one of those 30-type home run hitters. So if he can do it in San Francisco, that's all the more impressive. Definitely don't think he's hit his ceiling yet, um, and we've all kind of been waiting for him to, fantasy owners have been waiting for Brandon Bell to hit 25 home runs for five years now, <laughs> so I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Um, the uh, Ryan Braun, you know, he says, I love it when Ryan Braun comes out and he says, it, it's more likely than not, I'm going to hit the deal. So, and he's just such, ever since he did the PED, ever since he got caught throwing everybody under the bus, basically blaming everybody in the world but himself, he knew he was on steroids, and it's just, it was, that was a real big um, surprise, and Cano is quite a surprise for me, too, they seem like such nice guys, like such good baseball people, but ever since then, I'm just annoyed at Ryan Braun, and everything he says that comes out of his mouth is just like excuse after excuse, he's saying, you know, his back, he doesn't know if it's his back, it felt tight, and then... You know, then I decided that it wasn't my back that felt tight. It was actually this, whatever. Just, he's. Well, I want to say something about Cano, and I'm not sure how I feel on the subject, but I've done done a bunch of reading on it. I saw a quote from Miguel Cabrera about it, um, that there's signed reports from his doctor in the Dominican stating what he gave him, what he was treating, and that it was not used to hide any other sort of substance. So if that is the case, and I'm not saying I believe it, and I'm sure there's a lot of players out there that don't, I'm not sure what your feeling is on it, but if that is the case, don't you think that maybe the major leagues have to kind of adjust their rulings for certain um, substances because it's one thing to take a performance enhancing drug and be caught taking it but if someone's using something in the off season to treat another ailment by a professional doctor um, I feel like that's a little different than taking something that's on their performing enhancing uh, list of substances maybe I'm splitting straws splitting hairs here uh, maybe because I am a Cano truther I've always loved Cano but to me, it seems kind of a little unfair in these certain situations. So I, I guess my thing would be, number one, um, why in the world would Cano go to the doctor in Mexico instead of getting his treatment in Seattle where they have great hospitals? And it just doesn't make a lot of sense that you would go to Mexico to get treated. And the other thing that I question is, what is this drug that they say that they caught him on? Furosemide is a water pill. It's basically a diuretic. So it, it keeps you from a, uh, swelling up, like um, fluid retention too much. But um, the, the, so well, well, it, if I'm not mistaken, Cano had some stomach issues, if not last year, two years ago. He's been dealing with stomach issues for a while. So if that's exactly what that treatment is, um, it's, it's not, not for that. really – it, it could kind of make sense if you were giving him something for his digestive issues or his stomach issues. This is not this is not used to treat any kind of stomach or that kind of issue. It's it's actually to treat high blood pressure. It's for kidney disease, uh, liver disease, and just basic swelling. But I do not. I mean, you can buy water pills at the grocery store if you wanted them. You wouldn't fly to Mexico to get water pill, a diuretic. I understand that it's a prescription. It's a, it's a prescription. So, and basically, it just makes you pee a lot. It makes you just get rid of your water, so it doesn't just. I mean, 
so you don't feel like you have PMS all the time. <laughs> okay, it's just fair enough. I, I mean, I mean, I'm glad that they that he's caught, he's suspended. I don't want performance enhancing drugs involved in baseball. So good, good on them. Just you know, I, and I'm not saying that I believe the. BS. I'm just giving the other point of view and, you know, quoting Miguel Cabrera, who said he doesn't believe that Cano did this and well, so on and so forth. So on the um, other side of that, people want to know if Cano is going to get into the Hall of Fame. Probably not anymore. I think it's probably tainted. I do think that he was probably a surefire Hall of Famer previously to this um, PED suspension, though. So this is these are the conditions that that a doctor would prescribe furosemide for uh, that are are real there are real conditions right uh, that would be visible water retention high blood pressure accumulation of fluid resulting from chronic heart failure fluid in the lungs due to chronic heart failure edema with defective kidney function or accumulation of fluid caused by cirrhosis of the liver. Now, we can probably safely say that uh, he doesn't have cirrhosis of the liver or, I mean, who knows, but it, I just don't, it's just too shady. And, you know, Mark Teixeira, your other boy, came out and he said that he's not surprised at all that, um, this. Uh, he's not surprised that his, he was uh, caught, whatever, just says that um, Robbie Cano's assistant was on the list for biogenesis and that, you know, of course he had his assistant buy stuff for him. A-Rod got popped by biogenesis and Melky Cabrera got popped by them. They're his best friends. So when somebody gets lumped into that group, it's because there's evidence, there's a paper trail, there's a smoke trail. Um, he said that he really didn't want to get into too much detail because he likes Robbie, but he said, yeah, I'm just not surprised. I don't, I don't really don't want to go into it too much further, but I think a lot of people are kind of saying the same thing. So, there you go. And that's fair. I mean, he also is teammates with Nelson Cruz, who has also had a PED issue. So, I mean, it's not like he's, uh, it's not like he's not around guys that, um, have been in trouble with it before. So that's obviously going to go against him. And um, as you mentioned, to the assistant being part of that biogenesis program, I saw that too. And I did hear what Teixeira had to say. And Teixeira is a very well-spoken guy. Um, he doesn't like to talk bad about people very often. No, I'm actually very especially ex-teammates. I'm very surprised that he went there, you know. So, okay. The Oakland A's, 10. The Oakland A's are hitting. I don't know why people are throwing away Olsen and Chapman. What the hell? Are you guys out of your minds you should not be dropping these guys Aaron Sanchez you brought up to me earlier I don't know if we were on air or not um, but what I saw from him no, he, I don't think we were I don't think we were yet but uh, he also he has similar uh, splits to what I was talking about with Velasquez er- earlier on in the show I loved I thought he looked excellent yesterday even though he lasted only four innings um, I, from what I saw his pitches were just looking lovely they were looking great he's he he did walk four and he struck out eight um, I think that Aaron Sanchez what are you gonna do I mean if you own him you're keeping him and you're not benching him you're you're playing him you can't really trade him. I mean, I like the eight strikeouts, Andy. I mean, he's not one of those guys that racks up strikeouts despite the good stuff. So I do like the strikeouts. But, um, I mean, you can't really look um, – you can't really look and say, oh, I'm impressed when he issues four walks and five hits and four innings and gives up the four runs. It's certainly, uh, it's certainly concerning to me. And he's a guy that I really expected to bounce back being healthy after his terrific 2016 season, but not so good to start the year. Him and Stroman have been incredibly disappointing for the Jays. Marcus Stroman needs to go. He needs to go. You should not be owning this guy, okay? No, should not be. should not be owning Marcus Stroman. You should get rid of him. And you should also not be owning Greg Holland. You should not be owning him. you got to get rid of Greg Holland. He is not doing anything for you. And you cannot hold on to what this guy did last year. When I dropped him earlier in the season, I had somebody saying, you can't drop him, you got to hold on to him. I'm not holding on to him, and I don't believe the BS about how he needed extra spring training, because how long do you need extra spring training? I mean, it's at the point where this guy's had, however long he's had, to get his ass in gear for the season, I realized that he was um, picked up late, and I realized that he didn't have a full spring training. But how many outings do you need to get ready for the season? I mean, this guy's walked numerous batters, and every single time he comes out there, he's walking. He walks 10 batters per nine innings right now. 
I don't know what's going on with him, but he's not good enough to keep on your team. He's just not. No, it's true, and I do own Holland in the league, and I don't. I'm not using him in my lineup, but I do have him on the bench in case something does happen to Norris, or in case somehow he does get that closer job. But you're right; it's 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 getting hard to hold on to him, especially if you have a number of other injuries. You run out of DL spots, or if um, you want to pick up Vladdy Junior. You know, I mean, the last, <laughs> the last thing you want though is to drop this guy, and then in two or three weeks have him be named closer um and i mean i know bud norris is doing a good job but if you remember last year norris was killing it for the angels through the first three four months and then hit a wall and absolutely stunk and era ended up being well over four so the big question is is norris going to hold up all year so well norris is doing wonderful i think norris is great for what he's doing I mean, he's a he's he obviously was meant to be a, a reliever you know he wasn't that great as a starter but he's excellent as a closer and that's he's not going anywhere so great holland's got to go um look I'm, I'm just gonna run over a couple um latest injuries real quick I, another player that's probably playing better than he actually is is Jorge Soler and if I owned him I would probably be trying to trade him but he's dealing with a rib injury right now so his status for today's game is unknown um, I would wait till he's a little healthy and then I would be putting him out there on the market for somebody that loves you know what could be Hetcheveria, <laughs> uh, he left the game he had a right hamstring strain so it's unlikely he's going to be available today we have Justin Upton, who departed the game with a left-hand injury, and his status for today is unknown. He's been hitting like crazy, so that would suck for anybody that owns him. And Teoscar Hernandez missed the last game. He's got back soreness. It's unknown if he's going to play against the A's today. You know, I love this Teoscar Hernandez. He's like one of my only good players in my AL only league. And so it just when I saw this, I'm like, this is goes to this is figures, right? Because I lost Cano, Middleton, Sano. Uh, I own Buxton on that team. It's just a freaking nightmare of a squad. Oh, I feel you. I have a league. It's not AL only, but let me. I'm going to pull it up and tell you all the injuries I have. It's absolutely insane. Are you in like, last place? I'm in. La- I'm not in last place. I, oh, I'm not in last place. I'm in third place, but I would be in first place if I didn't have all the injuries. Yeah, well, I don't feel so bad for you, no matter what it is, because I'm sure you don't. Do you own AJ Pollock? AJ Pollock is is. Are you surprised that AJ Pollock is out for ten days? But he might. I'm not surprised. The guy's always injured, but you can't deny how good he's been so far this uh, this season before the the injury. I mean, he's he's a great player. Carried that D backs team. He's he's a great. Surprising to me either, Andy, that they're struggling now that he's not in the lineup. They are struggling big time, and that's another reason why I might be more apt to sell Corbin for scope. I would I would do that trade immediately. Okay, so right now in the league, I have Cespedes, Cabrera, Reyes, Lachesi, Cueto, and Britton all on the DL. Yeah, that's not good. And I'm ale only, it's, you know what? I always thought ale only is easier to pick to get. You know, I just always thought like I had the mindset that an ale only league is easier than an NL only league. A part of the reason because the DH slot, right? So you have that many more players to pick from as far as hitters go. But yeah, I feel like in an NL only league, you're stuck always rostering a couple guys that are strictly platoon or bench players, whereas an AL. You're not because of that TA spot. I think you're onto something there. Now, I admittedly do not play in any NL only leagues currently, and I play in a number of AL only leagues and have been for years. Um, so I'm also, you know, biased towards what I'm more capable of doing, what I've been doing more so. Um, but you're definitely onto something there with the DA spot offering more opportunity for hitters. But this is the hardest league I've ever been in my entire life. This league, this league, labor, AL only, it's very hard. There, I mean, the, the, I don't know if all it's only twelve team league, so it can't be any harder than any other AL twelve team league, except for the fact that my opponents are like the best there are. <laughs> you know, I'm uh, like right now. I'm I got bids in to pick up Pete Cosma, dude, or Gordon Beckham is on there. I mean, I'm just there's nobody to pick up in AL only. Is Ben Gamble available? No. No, I could tell you who's available. That I could just tell you in the last seven days, anybody that's had any at bats at all, I could tell you we got Pete Cosma, Paulo Orlando. You let me know if any of these sound good to you. Um, Eric so Gonzalez. Far, 
so far not so good. <laughs> Eric Gonzalez got, you know, he could be okay, but who knows if he even has a job. You got Richard Urena. He's on Toronto. You have, I told you, Paolo Orlando. You have Sandy Leon, uh, Anthony Alford, and this is just sorted by the number of at-bats in the last week. And Gordon Beckham's had three at games, nine at-bats. That's it, but he's... Jeez, it's bad. It's bad. Pete Cosma is the biggest guy on there. Five RBIs in the last seven days, 25 at-bats. He's batting 160. <laughs> Joey Ricard, though, he could be okay. Pick him yeah, up. you might be best off right now just not doing anything because none of those guys are really going to help you. Look at Joey Ricard. He's had, in two games, eight at-bats, three runs, two home runs, five RBIs. He's batting 375. I think I might check out the depth charts here for Joey Ricard and see. I think, yeah. I mean, I think he plays against left-handed pitching or at least has been recently i think he's always been pretty decent versus lefties so he's not a bad platoon guy necessarily okay joey ricard baltimore orioles playing uh right field right now because colby rasmus is out and he also plays center and left so um i would i'm definitely going to put in a bid for him but this is how this is really this is the best guy available at the moment it's the ALE only league is just it's very hard very difficult so i'm challenging myself here but i'm letting everybody go now it's 1003 got to go back to work i'm sure your bosses would really appreciate it if i stopped yapping about baseball and let oh, yeah. you well, we i've over the last 10 50 minutes I've, we've been we've been losing chat room members too because they're probably like okay i've been here for 45 50 minutes <laughs> yeah, they gotta go back to work thanks everybody for coming to the show lenny will be back on monday he is actually at his daughter's school his daughter's a teacher and he loves going to bring your dad to school day it's career day so all the kids they have their dads come and talk about what they do for a living. So Lenny goes there and he brings his microphone and his headphones and everything. And he does radio interviews and he tells everybody like, you know, what it's like to be on the radio and stuff. So he just loves doing it. It's really great for him. So that's what he's doing today. Well, that's pretty awesome. That, that sounds, that, 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 that sounds great. <laughs> David, Lenny has no excuse to cut off the pod cast at 945 after this today well david you missed yesterday's we went even longer yesterday so we're uh we're definitely putting pressure on him and anybody else doing the morning <laughs> show that cuts off at 40 minutes look like i said lenny has a system that he's been doing and you don't mess around with people's systems when they've been doing it for this long and he does it and every day he goes through he studies the box scores reads all the newspapers gets all the tidbits and then he does the show and it's always like 45 minutes but and which is longer than it used to be it used to only be like 30 minutes but now he does go for about 45 minutes and every time it's like clockwork for us we just we'll just like i could probably cut half this show out i was gonna say our our system's a little different it's uh (laughs) especially in the morning show i mean when we do like nothing but fancies on tuesday we usually have some sort of uh game plan but for these shows it's more so just whatever pops into either one of our heads and that's a recipe for disaster because we both like to talk and we like the sound of our voices i i know i think we each like the sound of our own voice which is bad okay but um, I ranted all my rants yesterday. I don't have any more rants for the day, so that's good, I guess. And um, with that note, we will see you tomorrow morning. We'll be on Sirius at 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then Sunday for Lenny from 7 to 10. And then you will definitely see Lenny back in the chat room Monday morning for his Lenny's Daily Podcast. And have a great weekend, everybody. Take care, all. Thanks so much for joining us again today.